Happy Monday. It's Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of a song to kind of sing in the beginning too, but I lost it. So I'm glad you had a little sing-songy moment there. Yeah. Mind reading. I I knew, I knew it was in your brain. So I just, you know, um, welcome back M&Ms. We are going to kick off this episode with a little trigger warning. We're going to talk about losing people we love. We're going to talk about death and we're going to talk about the grieving process and what that looks like and tools and resources. And honestly, just a lot of the shitty stuff that comes along with all of it. So if you're not prepared for that, that is okay. Feel free to turn us off. Come back to us when you do feel like this is something you want to listen to. Um, and if you're ready, let's get into some tough shit. Yeah. Oof. Everyone take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So because this is going to be like a little bit tougher of an episode, I think this is going to be like the style of this episode is just going to be a little different than normal um, just because we had, and this is, you know, in a, in a, a good thing, we had so much um, listener feedback and it was all, it's all kind of different. So this, I thought um, that someone sent to me was a perfect kind of starter for the episode. We'll kind of set the tone um, and it's just kind of a really beautiful um passage um that she funny uh she posted like a snippet of it today because it's the ninth anniversary of her father's passing on Instagram and I just so happened to see it and I reached out to her and said hey I'm recording an episode of our podcast today and it's on loss of a loved one do you mind if I if I share this and she actually was nice enough to send me the entire Um, the entire thing. So uh, this is from Jasa, my friend Jasa. She uh, it's titled Death and Grieving. What no one tells you is that when someone you love dies, you lose them twice. Once to death, the second to acceptance. You don't walk the long dark passage between the two alone. Grief takes every shuffling, unwilling step with you, offering a seductive bouquet of memories that can only blossom south of sanity. Death of a loved one is is a final chapter in a book you can't unread. You keep waiting to feel like the person you were before the chapter ended. You never will. Memories of the dead drag at every living soul. A weight of guilt and sorrow you haul around with you like the moon hauls the ocean. Too massive to lift and too much a part of you to ever let it go. Grief is not unlike being lost out at sea. Waves of different emotions continuously crash over you, and you feel as if the current will sweep you out even farther from what you once thought was normal. Grief is an element. It has its own cycle, like the carbon cycle the nitrogen. It never diminishes, not ever. It passes in and out of everything. When the heart is grieving over something it's losing, the spirit must try to rejoice in what still remains. It is not easy. Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. All of that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. 
Grief is just love with no place to go. I have never heard that before. Like that last line of like, like grief is love, which is nowhere to go. And I, how true is that? That's yeah. Com- completely. Like that's exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jasa, for sending that to us. Thank you. Um, And I I just wanted to say at the end of it, um, she said, some of this was taken from the book The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion, D-I-D-I-O-N. Some of it is mine, my thoughts and summation of what I read of hers. So jot that down. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, no, that was, that was great. And I think a really good way to, to start off this episode and to just kind of put into words what grief is, because same, I've never heard it like that before, but that's a really beautiful way of putting it. And it makes so much sense when you say it that way. Yeah. So I um, have lost a, a handful, thankfully not a lot. I haven't had to deal with losing, um, loved ones so far in my life, knock on wood. (laughs) Um, but it's inevitable, right? Like we are all born to at some day die. And I think the older we get, the more prevalent it seems to become. Um, my mother-in-law got sick, well, we found out she was sick Christmas day of 2021. So last, last holiday season. Um, and she passed not even 30 days later, we found out that she had mesothelioma, um, which is a type of lung cancer, a really aggressive type of lung cancer. She was just having pain in her chest and having a hard time breathing. Um, and we got together on Christmas Eve last year and, um, she was just like, I really don't feel good. I, I like, I, I think I need to go to, well, I actually, I think we told her she needed to go to the ER. My mother-in-law, she's not one to, um, you know, put anybody out. Right. Even if she is on the verge of 10 point pain, mm-hmm. but so they took the scans and I remember that Christmas day, maybe my father-in-law or my sister-in-law telling my husband, like, this is how big it was. But I think the number was actually like miscommunicated through the line of people by the time it got to us. Cause when we saw the photo of it, we were like, that is large. That is not, you know, whatever the, um, size we were told. And I remember there being a four in the size I don't, I don't even remember. It was like, I think it was like the confusion of the metric of how it was measured, right? Like centimeters versus, yeah. Um, and it was a lot bigger once we saw the photo. I mean, it probably took up a third of her lung or like, you know, that area around it was, it was big. And my mother-in-law, for those of you who don't, didn't know her was, not five foot tiny. She weighed like 90 pounds. Um, she was so small. So like the size of that tumor was big for her. It was huge. Um, and we, yeah, it was just super aggressive. She, we found out, like I said, Christmas day and she passed the 22nd of January. Um, and by the, 
the day that she died or the day before she died, they had done another scan of her chest and the tumor literally took up her entire one side. It was pushing her organs to the other side of her body. It had gotten so big, So Um, so quick, which is insane, right? To think about something Um, growing like that. Yeah. To think that just our bodies is just, it's wild to think about, um, what can happen and what our bodies can do, but it was like the longest, I don't know, let's just say it was 22 days. It was the longest 22 days, I think of all of our lives. Um, and it was, yeah, it was crazy. So all of 2021, I feel like myself and my husband and my father-in-law and, you know, everybody who knew my mother-in-law, um, have just been on this grief journey. And I love that we started the episode out with that passage because, um, I think that's exactly, that's not how we were told, right? Like we, I've never heard that, but I think my husband and I have learned over the last year, that's exactly what our grieving process has become is just, um, a way to still love her, even though she's not here. Yeah. I don't know what else to, what else to say other than we, or I guess my circumstances changed a few months before she got sick in regards to work. And so for me, something to look back on that was really awesome was it was just, the sickness was just kind of like thrown at us, right? We had no control over it. We had no control of how fast it progressed. We didn't have control over the doctors or what they were looking at. There was literally nothing we could control other than here, here's this pain med and here's this pain med and here's some more strawberry ice cream, right? Like there was nothing we could really do other than there was no treatment, no sit and wait for, you know, whatever report to come back. Um, she passed on a Friday and she, um, was supposed to have an appointment that Tuesday with doctors to where we were just going to find out what it was that she had. We didn't even know she had mesothelioma at that point. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know that she had cancer at that point. Like that Tuesday, she was in so much pain when my husband went to go pick her up to bring her to this appointment that he rushed her, um, to the ER and that's where she stayed. Like that's where we found out, oh yeah, by the way, it's this and it's, you're gonna die, you know, like that's, that's it. This is it. Um, so that was really, really intense, but the, those like three, um, four ish weeks leading up to that, um, my mother-in-law was like the sole daycare provider, caregiver for my nephews. And before I, made the transition to stay at home. She watched Juby and I mean, that's what she did. That's what she loved to do. But with the state that she was in, we knew that it probably wasn't, she just couldn't do it physically. She couldn't do it emotionally. She wanted to do it right. But physically she just couldn't. So it was really, um, I got to spend a lot of time with her the last like three or four weeks because I would just sit over there and help with the kids. And it allowed her to be with them and see them, which was so great looking back because we really didn't realize that we didn't have that much time. Right. Um, so that felt good to just be able to, um, be there for her. Um, we had a, a lot of really good conversations 
in those last few weeks um, that I'll always just kind of look back on and uh, remember some of them were good. Um, some of them sucked. Some of them were funny. Um, I felt like my mother-in-law for me, or I was to my mother-in-law, just somebody who she could just come by <laughs> to, um, which sounds kind of horrible, but she could just vent and I'd sit there and I'd listen. Um, and I don't know that she had very many people to do that with. So especially that last um, few weeks, it was just nice to know that I could give her some place to, you know, just say this fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, we made it through uh, on top of all of that, right? It's a freaking pandemic. <laughs> so we're like, you know, worried that who's going to be there and um, right. You know, who's going to take her to appointments and worry. I guess I didn't even think about that part of it. Were people able to go in with her with like appointments and stuff like that? Or. Yeah. So between, um, the little, our little group, um, my husband, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, me, and, um, my mother-in-law, it was just kind of decided that, um, Alonzo's work schedule was a little bit more flexible than anybody else's. Um, so I could stay and help watch the kids and help her, um, you know, be there to just make sure nothing crazy happened while she, we just didn't want her to be alone too. Um, and my husband would be able to bring her back and forth to all the appointments. Um, and I think we all kind of determined that he would be the best person to absorb what the doctors were saying and then relay it back to all of us. Um, you know, my, uh, father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they, um, speak great English, but it's not their first language on top of, you know, words like mesothelioma, <laughs> you know, like, so, um, yeah. It, it did work out good there. Alonzo could bring her to all the appointments and whatnot. And everybody could kind of stay as normal as possible, um, outside of that. But thankfully, um, when she was admitted into the hospital that Tuesday, that week that she passed, um, I think it was pretty, pretty soon thereafter that they had kind of, um, set the tone of like, you know, you're dying. Um, let's just make you, our goal is to just make you as comfortable as possible. So I think at that point, um, I don't think we were moved to like hospice until Thursday, but at that point, all the doctors and the nurses were really great. They allowed all of us to be in the room with her. So, um, we never brought the kids, but, um, I don't know that they would have had a problem with it, but that was really great. We were really worried that, um, you know, yeah, it's like one of those, one of those, uh, things that like sucked horribly to physically be there and literally watch her take her last breath and watch her body deteriorate. But at the same time, you have a peace in knowing that, um, like, you know, when the last time you talked to her was, yeah, you know, um, 
yeah, you don't have to sit there and like wonder um, in, in that part, I guess. I should take my makeup off before this. <laughs> I know I was thinking, why didn't I not bring tissues into the <laughs> closet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I. It's crazy because. like you said kind of in the beginning like we know right we know that it's at some point Mm -hmm. you know we won't be here anymore the people we love won't be here anymore we know that they that every one every animal everything in our lives has an end everything has an end point right um at least for this life and logically like in every other circumstance Mm -hmm that thought right like if you know like this night is going to end I don't know I I guess I'm having trouble articulating what I'm thinking but like in everything else the more knowledge you have in that subject or the more like heads up you have like the more prepared you are for that thing right right but I feel like with with death with losing someone it it just there's no preparing Mm-mm. like at all and and it's good to be thankful for like you know we caught it we knew it was happening yeah but there's always that like but I, I but I wasn't but I'm still not prepared you know like yeah. part of the reason why it's such a hard thing to swallow is kind of you know what was said in the beginning there's like you never stop loving or caring about that person but that person is not there to receive that or to talk to or you know um and I think that's why some things like mediums and mm-hmm. um that kind of stuff is so popular and such a big thing it's like why wouldn't you want to try to talk to someone that isn't here anymore you know like of course yeah. that's something that you know I feel like would interest almost everybody. <laughs> you know? Same. I'm like, I don't know who wouldn't want, want to do that, but yeah. Um, but I, I guess back to your mother-in-law though, I feel like, you know, we, we always kind of talked about like when you worked at Alaska USA, like how she watched, you know, Juby and she watched the boys and I think, you know, maybe even came up in conversation, like, you know, well, we want her to have a break. Cause you know, we were thinking about like going home and, and, um, and getting out of like nine to five and, and being able to, you know, to be at home with the kids. And, and I think I remember you saying something like, you know, it'll take some off of her plate, you know, it'll like, yeah. she'll have like, but looking back on it. Mm-hmm. it's like she got so much time with her grandchildren mm-hmm. you know um Spencer came a little later <laughs> I know but she got I, you know I think that that um I think that I'm Alonzo and I are kind of at a point that um our grieving is a little more positive but I think when it comes to Spencer, I think that's the, the part that hurts yeah. the most. Yeah. Um, she was only what? I don't she want to do math. 
she was born in August. <laughs> yeah, she was she, like four or five months old. Yeah. yeah, she was still really, really small. Yeah. Um, but she'll do certain things, and, and we're like, oh yeah, that's that's mom. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. So yeah, I can imagine that that's rough because Julie probably has memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but the good news is, you know, we're all walking around with cameras in our pockets and yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of like pictures and stuff of them and, and, and she got to meet her, you know, I think that's probably yeah. the biggest thing. Like it, does that give you comfort to know that like she was around before or do you think it's yeah. harder? No, I mean, I think it's it's all good, um, but it's it's all hard at the same time, right? Like, yeah. I don't know that there's really something that makes it better. It's just, it is what it is. And I think that for me and what I've learned throughout my grief journey, I think is just that is like, it all, it, it all is what it is and there's nothing we can do about it. And, you know, that's, it can be okay like that. Yeah. It doesn't make it easier or, um, worse in my opinion. It just, um, yeah. I don't know. There are just certain pieces of it that are going to be harder than others. And And in that passage, I think it kind of said something like every day brings like a new emotion, right? It could be the same memory or the same, um, object. Maybe, um, I just was texting my sister-in-law this morning and said, I, um, have been buying, Costco's big thing of croissants because every time we'd go over there, I'd be like, oh, these are so good. I never would buy them, but my mother-in-law <laughs> always had them. And she'd be like, $5, Miha. She's like, that's it. And she'd like, she'd always do this thing with her hands. I'm like, you know, so, you know, one day thinking about that could make me sad. But today it was like, oh, this is good. Like five dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got like 20 croissants, you know. <laughs> and then she told me about this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was actually going to be my next question is, do you have, um, are there like particular things that you see or, or is it kind of a mix of things that you, that you see or that like you, you think either that's her, like a sign from her or that triggers a response, you know, something in you that makes you think of her. I don't know. Um, all of a sudden I feel like over the last year, Juby's been saying a lot more things in Spanish just because like nobody in this house speaks Spanish <laughs> you know but like somehow which she'll just remind me it. to talk to Alonzo about that because yeah. Julie could be bilingual and that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah me and Julie speak the most Spanish in this house but she, you know I'll give her something and she'll be like oh gracias <laughs> or um I'm just random and so like I think things like that and then mostly food Mostly food, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. In regards to, I guess, just taking like this a step further, um, in regards to like what we did afterwards or what I did, um, I think over the year, Alonzo and I specifically really learned that we lost the same person, but at the same time, we lost different people, right? Because mm-hmm who she was to him was a lot different 
than who she was to me. Therefore, our, the way we grieved or the way we needed to grieve was um, very differently. Yeah. And we went to, um, we had been going to therapy bef- before that, um, which is funny, which is um, something that my mother-in-law would always just like get so excited for. She'd always be like, I will watch the kids for you. So like, <laughs> she was just so happy that like, that was something that was like a proactive thing that we, um, that we did, but uh, <laughs> we just really learned a lot about each other and what we needed um, in regards to the, you know, grieving, but also just in regards to all things. Um, and I think something that really helped us was our counselor had suggested that we schedule in time to grieve where we literally like write it in or we pick a certain spot in our day where that's all we do is we sit there for 10 minutes. Like we set a timer even, and we just feel whatever we feel, whether that's being happy or thinking of things that make us feel good about missing that person or where we just sob for 10 minutes. But, um, it sounds really dumb, (laughs) but it really worked for us. Um, it really allowed us to just feel her every single day and every single day it felt, um, more okay. Not like it was easier or better, but just like, it was okay to be just to to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it sounds dumb. I think it may feel foreign to people to, you Mm. know, schedule a time to, be emotional but it also is yeah allowing you to be emotional like Mm -hmm. this is on the schedule so it's okay right (laughs) we're doing this yeah and loss can be so devastating but we all know like we still have right we have a life to live still and that doesn't stop and we can't we can't just press pause on it right I think that's a way for us to kind of hit pause, mm-hmm. but then still be like, okay, now I have to go into work or, okay, now I have to be mom or, okay, now I have to do this business presentation, whatever it is. But, um, yeah. and I think I, it helps with the triggers, right? Like you said, like little things might set you off. And I think by allowing yourself to really have those like big grieving moments, when things arise, you can kind of control it a little bit better. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's literally like venting, like but just in like a different form, like yeah. releasing that, mm-hmm. releasing that steam so that, yeah. So that later on, right. not, yeah, so that you don't see like this one thing. And then all of a sudden like explode or not. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stop. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do. I also think that, you know, I mean, this is not, I'm not comparing this at all, but just my most recent grieving process has been with Sadie, mm-hmm. our dog that we had to put down um, a month or two ago. And I think what I've said almost every time someone has asked me how I'm doing is like, we're doing fine but I feel like it's only because we don't really have time to think about it. Like, so to your point, like 
yeah, the couple of times I've like, you know, mm-hmm. I pulled her stocking out, yeah, you know, for Christmas or, you know, stuff like that. It was like, it's kind of intense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think because we literally haven't been able to just like stop and mm-hmm. think about her, talk about her and like, cause it's just life keeps going, especially with young kids. Like, yeah, there's no slowing down um, unless you set aside a time to do that, which yeah. we haven't, but that's a good idea. Um, it wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world to, to have a couple of moments for Sadie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you had said, um, like talking about her and a, that was another thing that we, like a tool we kind of took from, um, therapy and implemented was one asking each other permission if they were in the spot mm. to, to talk about mom. And if they were then to just talk about her, but, but asking permission because, you know, because I might be in the position to like talk about a memory or something, but Alonzo could be having the opposite sort of grieving day and he could not be in the mental space to, you know, be in the same space with me. So I think that that helped a lot, um, in regards to like grieving as a couple was just making sure that we were, um, asking permission or, And I guess maybe not just as a couple, but for anyone, um, especially with like the holiday seasons coming up and stuff of like, Hey, how are you, you know, what sort of space are you in, in regards to Christmas? Um, I think that's how I kind of asked my sister-in-law, like, are you in a spot to where you want to get together as a big group? Are you feeling like you would rather, um, you know, maybe have the boys come here so that you can have time alone, like just making sure that, um, you're not assuming that whoever is also grieving is grieving on the same age as you. Different moment. Yeah. Yeah. On a different level. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's also a really good point because again, I guess the closest thing I have to compare it to is my grandma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bama is what we called her. And she we're coming up on 13 years. So it's been like 12 and a half years Mm -hmm. since she's passed. Um, And so many things that were so similar um, with her and with your mother-in-law, for instance, not getting checked out until she was literally, you know, taken to the ER because Mm -hmm. she was in so much pain. Yeah. Um, and she never left. So I, I came up here because she was sick and she, but she hadn't, I don't really know how she like skirted around. I think she knew, I think she knew that it was really bad. I think she knew that as soon as she went to the hospital, she would not be coming out. I, I, yeah, I think we've talked about that before of like, I think, I think that she knew what kind of pain that she was in but scared to know what it was right and I mean god I don't blame her yeah yeah um and I so yeah so Bama like had been to like doctor's appointments and stuff and she had been diagnosed with COPD 
um, previously, like years previously. And she's, oh, from as far back as I can remember, she would take like um, a specific like inhaler mm. to, to kind of medicate that while continuing to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and drink nothing but Coca-Cola all day. <laughs> but um, she, uh, yeah, so I, ca- I came up um, three days after I turned 18. I came up here because she was sick. And my brother, because ca- at, at that point, it was just like, she's been going to the doctors a lot. Like, you know, she's, we don't really know what's going on, but something's going on. And then my brother called me. I think maybe on my birthday or or the day after or something. And he was like, look, you need to get up here. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's telling you it's bad. She's not telling you it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. And you need, if you bottom line, you need, you need to come like it's, mm-hmm. it's time. And I was like, okay. So thanks David. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I packed a suitcase full of summer clothes because I assumed I'd be coming back. You know, it's just like, this is going to be like a quick trip, not a quick trip, but I I only had a one-way ticket, but figured at some point I'd be coming back to Kentucky to like finish everything up and whatever. Yeah. I got there at like two o'clock in the morning and the second I stepped off the plane, it just felt different. Something was different. Something was off. It just didn't feel right. Any other time I had walked off that plane in Fairbanks, Alaska, it felt like I was home. It felt like I was, it was just this exciting, like the smell and just like everything. There was just something about like getting here and just getting off that plane, stepping out of the airport. Um, And this is the only time that I stepped, I stepped out of the plane. I got out of the airport. I saw my brother and I think we were silent almost the whole way home it was like two o'clock in the morning so everybody is you know it was just my brother that came to the airport to get me um and it was just very somber like just very it was different I could just tell you know and so we get there and I can hear like her oxygen machine in the bedroom and stuff I'm like man this is it just felt so different it felt so crazy and just um anyways that next morning she got up and I she got up and went to the garage to smoke her cigarette (laughs) and um I went out there and you know gave her a hug and she like would barely look at me which was so weird like if (laughs) you know like she's just she was always so like excited to see me and welcoming and just amazing and she could just bear she was barely looking at me and she said through like gas of air you know this is not a fun place to be right now or something um I think because you know every time I'd come it'd been like super exciting and yeah fun um and I looked at her and I just started tearing up like I'm doing now and I was like bummer there's nowhere else in the world I would rather be than right Mm -hmm. here. Like it doesn't need to be fun. (laughs) Like this is where I want to be. Then she she had no problem. Eye contact. We're crying and hugging. (laughs) And like, just, (laughs) 
it was, you know, I'm glad I got here when I did, because later on that day, maybe that evening, um, she finally decided like, okay, call the ambulance. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And she was very particular. She, (laughs) the ambulance got there and they were not allowed to put on the lights. <laughs> they were not allowed to speed. She's like, were- do not make a scene or I will. <laughs> and they didn't. I mean, to their, to their credit, they didn't. I mean, I would be scared of her too, even in the state that she was in. Because <laughs> um, she was such a very, like, authoritative woman. But she was also just, like, the most loving and caring, like... I always say that she was so busy taking care of and worrying about everyone else that she just never worried about herself. Absolutely. That's and it sounds, also yeah. a very accurate description for my mother-in-law too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she went to went to the emergency room, went straight into ICU, mm. had a very terrible day the next day. And then the following day had a great day. Like one of those days where they're like sitting up in bed yeah. And they're smiling and they're talking and she's barely having to use her oxygen. And she just, she was still in ICU, but she, it was like, what, you know, it, it was, she, she was almost out of place because mm-hmm. she was just having such a good day. Yeah. And, um, then she, then it, then it, the next day was a bad day again. And then the next day, her last good day again she's sitting up in the hospital bed she she even said at one point because at that point they told us she she has cancer um they're not they found a a mass but they weren't sure if that's where it originated because at that point it already metastasized which meant it is already all throughout her body Mm -hmm. um so it was pretty advanced stage four you know, uh, but then an, another doctor had come in after and said, you know, we can do chemo, we can do radiation, we can do this, we can do this, like giving her all this laundry list of like things that can be done. But again, she was having a good day when he mm-hmm. came in. And I remember her saying, I feel like I, I might get a second chance. I feel mm-hmm. like I might, you know, and then she had a, um, the next day was down again, but they moved her out of ICU. And I don't think any of us really talked about that. It was just like, oh, she's getting moved out of ICU. But they moved her to to South. Mm-hmm. Um, so second floor, South Wing of the hospital, um, which is basically, I don't know where you ended up, or you ended up in hospice with your mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, so to South, I guess, is similar. It's just kind of like where you go and they know there's not much time left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But none of us ever really said that. I guess we just, you know, we talked about making her, because she had a two-story house. We talked about like her going to Dana and Bears instead because it was a ranch and maybe they could build like a ramp so she didn't have to go up the stairs to get into the house. And like, we were just having all these plans of like, you know, the next step once she gets out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I think she was in two South for maybe a day or two. And the last night um, we were all leaving. Cause we literally just spent all 
day, all of us all day in the hospital every single day. That's just, you know, there was no COVID. There was no, you know, we're just, we ate in the cafeteria, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we only left when they kicked us out basically. Mm -hmm. And which they barely did, you know, and I think because of the same thing, you know, they, they knew, um, that night though, Papa, her husband, my grandfather, um, did not want to leave her just did not want to leave her. Um, I'll stay the night. Let me sleep in the chair. I'll, I'll, you know, just let me sleep here with you. Um, and she was, very, very <laughs> firm in no, like you, you'll sleep terribly in these chairs. You need to go home, like sleep in bed. I'll be here. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Like just you go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him getting a phone call. It was like seven o'clock in the morning and it was father's day that morning. And I remember him just he like open open my bedroom door and just yelled like we we've got to go like you like you have to get up you have to go there she's having trouble breathing or something something like that it was something that was like I feel like she's been having trouble breathing you know it was like like it didn't seem that urgent honestly like love pop out of death he's a little over dramatic sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> but so david and i so papa jetted out the door like no no hesitation he left <laughs> went to the hospital oh, okay. like and david and i are like <laughs> you know um and not that we were like dragging our feet but we just we probably took like another 10 minutes behind him mm-hmm. uh, we're like he's being so crazy like we just need a minute to like brush our teeth and shit and so uh we did we 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 left probably like 10 10 minutes after he did and you know looking back on it I think it all happened the way it was supposed to mm-hmm. because by the time papa got there he he got onto the wing and the nurse the nurses at the counter like at the you know middle hub or whatever yeah we're just like go like they there was no it was like go um and so papa just like runs down the hallway and as he comes in the door she takes her last breath Mm. and i don't i think it's because of the way my grandma was she she would not want us there for that. You yeah. know, that's just, she was a very like private, like always had her, like her hair, hair done. Like, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it if you didn't know her, but like she, it, it makes sense to me that she probably wouldn't want Papa to see her go. Yeah. And then for us to get there afterwards, like, you know, ju- just after really, and but we were all like you know so we showed up Dana and bear showed up like kind of all at the same time um but they told us you know it hasn't been that long studies have shown there's still brain function like you can mm-hmm. you can talk to her she can still hear you and so we just all kind of went in there and sobbed and said our goodbyes and yeah yeah so it was a week 
she was in the hospital for a week yeah. from the day that I got back to the day she passed was a week. Okay. So it was quick, but at the same time, kind of like you, I had that, you know, we, like I said, we were there in the hospital every single day, mm-hmm. all day, morning till night, you know, um, we were only going home to sleep. Yeah. And then we were back there in the morning for coffee and breakfast, you know? Um, yeah. And I am thankful for that. Yeah. I'm thankful that, you know, I know the last time I talked to her, I know the last, you know, I, I I'm, I'm happy that we got that last week. And yeah. I think it all kind of happened the way that she wanted it to you know, and like I said, it's been 12 and a half, almost 13 years. And it's still on the one hand, it feels like forever going on the other hand, it feels like it was yesterday, such a hard thing to explain. And I know that, you know, they always say like things get better with time. And I think that's true to a certain extent, but also not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not breaking down every day or hour or, you know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't really, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, it, more time probably in between those, those cries or those emotional moments. Yeah. Um, but they're never gone. Yeah. And I think, you know, I had asked you about, um, signs and like different things that you saw or or thought of you know that made you think of her and that was something that I really clung to after she passed because she was a very like she was very much that like signs of things would remind her of her dad or her mom you know like Mm -hmm. oh you know it makes me think that that's my dad or um and so I just feel like I just felt like no I still feel like if I see something and I think about her like immediately it's just like thanks Bama like you know like it's um in the beginning and it's always something different it's not really I can't in the beginning it was like bunnies like there were so many bunnies that summer that she passed Mm -hmm. and like it was that. And then for some reason I was really hung up on seeing moose. Like that was for some reason when I would visit, I was always able to find moose that she was just like, I didn't even like, I didn't even see that that was there. Like we would yeah. always, I would always just like point them out to her. And she was always like, she's like, you could see, you're just so observant. You can see them <laughs> you know, like whatever they are. And so I was obsessed with seeing a moose after. And I, and for like the longest time I didn't see anything I know I didn't see a moose I didn't see a moose and then uh it was like a month after she passed away I was driving in North Pole and there was a mom with two babies that was like off you know off the side of the road but like you know clearly visible and I just lost it you know because it was like it felt like she, you know, it was like, well, you know, there it is. I've been like bitching about it. Like I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as soon as I'm like done looking for them, there they are kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, my favorite one though is when we got married. Mm-hmm. She was really, she was all about, um, not all about, but she always used to say that if a ladybug lands on you, it's good luck. Mm-hmm. And when we were taking family photos, so like after we had gotten married, like directly after the ceremony, we're taking like family photos. And on my walk over to start taking photos, so immediately after the ceremony, yeah. a ladybug landed on my dress. Uh-huh. And I know that was her. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I know that was her saying that she was there. Um, and it's cool because it's in a lot of the pictures. You can actually see it in the pictures. Like the photographer pointed it out to me, actually. It's like there's something, you know, on your oh, dress. And, and I looked down and I was like, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> uh, I was like, leave it. I don't, I don't yeah. want, sh- you know, I don't want it out. I don't want it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I could tell he was really bugged by it. He's <laughs> like, please just remove the damn lady bug. Yeah. I could tell that he really <laughs> was not happy with this tiny spot on yeah, my like, white no, dress. This is my grandma. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. This is my like, grandma. No. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, she stuck around for like a good number of photos and then she went on her way you know um so yeah that was definitely my favorite I think it's healthy for people who are grieving to find something like that that they can um kind of like hold close and like I don't know like look out for Mm -hmm. um my dad's brother passed back in like 2012, I think. Um, and it was similar in the way that we, our family was able to like be with him, um, a lot while he passed. Um, and, uh, my dad had, um, he wasn't responsive or anything, but he was still breathing at, at this point. And my dad had like gone over and sat next to him. Um, he was, he was in hospice, but just at his house, which was kind of nice, um, yeah. comfortable for everybody. And my dad was sitting next to him and just started playing, um, music from his phone. Mm. It was like super random, right? Like just sits down starts playing music. And, um, I think a few songs had played, but then, um, uh, lean on me started mm. playing. And that's actually when um, he took his last breath. Wow. So I think for all, and it was, I feel like his his passing from when he was on hospice at home to like his last breath was was kind of long. And he, I mean, he wasn't responsive that whole time. Wow. Um, and so I think we were all just like, kind of at that point where like, like just- just do like it, so. you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, I think it was really cool to see like that connection of maybe him taking that as a sign of like, okay. Yeah. No. Um, but whenever we hear that song, obviously we're all like, oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. I remember I my grandma, like- my grandma was there, obviously, um, his mom, my dad and uh, my uncle's mom. And she was like, 
if you know her, I feel like this is just funny, but she was like, oh, Richard, that's just so great. You know, like <laughs> you play music, like that's just such a great idea. Oh, how did Richard. you know, how did you know to do that? You know? <laughs> but it was like a sense of relief too. Of like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's, it's comforting, I think, to find those things, right. That like, yeah. so last thing I about my my grandma and then we can get as long as you're okay with it we can get into listener stories um so most recently um when we bought the house on madison um there was my grandma's favorite flower was an iris Mm -hmm. and there was one single like single (laughs) iris in the front yard that was not there until like, or that I did not see mm-hmm. um, until the day we moved in and the day we moved in, there was one single Iris, like at the very front of like where, like the walkway next to the driveway. Yeah. And that was kind of like my, you know, like she's here, you know, this is, and from the time that we moved in, till the time that we left that house so in that six years Mm -hmm. that one single iris that was there that first year literally became like a bush of irises and then also we just had random irises popping up all around like the perimeter of the house and part of me wanted to take like I wanted to dig up and like take Uh, a piece and I almost did I thought about it so many times when we moved to this house but I was like (sighs) I think I was worried I was worried that I would jinx it kill them honestly I was worried that I would kill them and then I was worried about my emotional state if I yeah (laughs) valid yeah so so I was like you know what that was my sign that she was here yeah Uh, there's gonna be a different sign when I, you know, yeah, at the new place. Yeah. And uh we had looked at this house several times before buying it. And we hadn't seen it in the summertime until my uncle had like all of his brothers staying here for a wedding when it was owned by the previous owner. That's all very confusing, but basically we came and saw it again about a month before we purchased and moved in and the whole perimeter of our like yard Mm -hmm. is just covered in like in fireweed oh nice which is another flower that was like my like a flower that her and I always talked about like if I came up in the summertime she'd be like she'd always tell me about the fireweed and how you can tell when it's the end of summer because the fireweed's all the way at the top, you know, or, you Mm -hmm. know, so that was, it was like, okay, it's a good thing. I didn't get the irises (laughs) probably would have killed them. And there's all this fireweed here, which is my obvious sign. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting to like hear um, everybody's own kind of like stories of loss and how they can all kind of like intertwine and are so similar but obviously like we all have our own yeah experiences and whatnot through them 
Okay. So I think we're going to share some of your guys's, your guys's stuff. So Tara, um, had said, or we had asked you guys on Instagram, um, if you'd ever lost a loved one and how you got through it, if you would have any advice going to give to somebody else going through, um, losing somebody or even just sharing like a fond memory. And Tara had said, yes, um, she's done lots of self-medicating, going to therapy, um, and learning to just properly deal with trauma. Um, she said she can hear her grandma humming to her to sleep, like humming her to sleep, Hmm. um, which I think is a fun memory that she shared. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was really nice too to remember like what someone sounded like. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I have Abby. Abby said, lost my grandma in January of 2020. She was my best friend. Give yourself permission to grieve which (laughs) we talked about and absolutely agree with. Yeah. It was a big theme of this episode. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Nicole had shared, I lost one of my best friends to cancer when we were 18. I went through my first deep depression. I went to her grave every day until it was too cold to go up there. And eventually I wrote her a note about everything I wanted to tell her, but didn't get to. I put it on the part of a land turn you light and send it off to her in heaven and that helped I decided one day to just simply live my life because she didn't get to something so simple yet so hard so that's my advice live your life to the absolute fullest for you and your loved one I love the lantern light idea um for mother's day I think it was for mother's day last year um Alonso and I had decided we would go buy some balloons and we would write messages or have the girls Juby draw photos and we would go let it go um, and like send it up to um, grandma in heaven, which Mm. was, I honestly thought it would just be a really great exercise for Juby, but Alonso and I learned very quickly that it was very therapeutic for both of us. Um, It just, it if you haven't done that, I would, um, encourage everybody to try it. It just, it's like, um, I don't know. It's just like a weight lifted off your shoulder. Almost. Yeah. It feels really nice. Um, but I had remember, I'd remember doing that when I was younger, when my great grandma had died. I don't know if it was my grandma who did it, but I remember we went to, um, actually bury her ashes. Mm. And, um, and anyways, that's what we did. All the cousins like drew different pictures of balloons. And I just, it's like one of those memories that just really, stuck. yeah, just, just really stuck. So, yeah, I, I think to back to Nicole, Nicole's story, um, I can't imagine, like, I think it's really good that she, I mean, she was obviously really like grieving hard it you know and putting a lot of time and energy into that grief um mm-hmm. and into that like going and visiting her friend's grave every day um and then I think for having the realization of like it's tough and that person isn't here anymore but I'm still here and I need to continue my life 
Yeah. I think that's um, an easier thing to say than do. Right. But I do think how awesome to have that realization and before it's like, you know, you're in too deep kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And actually that's Nicole that was on episode three or four. Nicole and (laughs) Ashley's episode. Yeah. Um, So it's cool to hear from her. Um, And then I will, I'll take the anonymous, uh, anonymous one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this was from a listener. They said, my mother, my grandma, my grandpa, a boyfriend, and now my other grandma is about to pass all within the last five years. It has been extremely hard to deal with. The first person I lost was a boyfriend And the grief I felt from that prepared me unknowingly for my mother's passing the following year. Grief definitely comes in waves. Random things remind you of these people, and it hits like the first moment you realized you'll never talk to them again. My fondest memories of my mother are the ones of my children and her together. She was the best grandma or other mom, as my kids called her, ever. This is our last one. And... I, I think, you know, I, I want to thank everybody for giving their, their stories, but I also just want to really say, I'm sorry for everybody's loss. Sorry for your loss. (laughs) Sorry for, for everybody's loss. It's tough. I mean, especially for, you know, for them, they so much loss in such a short period of time um I can't imagine mm-hmm. so. um yeah I echo everything you said and I think that our envision with the podcast and just I don't know putting emphasis on topics like this and using the podcast as a platform to discuss um experiences like this allows us to provide space for Mm -hmm. those of us who are sharing, but also everybody we're talking about, right. Um, a way for us to continue to love them and continue to, um, share that with them and with everybody. So, um, this episode is for all those who are going through loss, all those who have passed and we are here for you. Absolutely. And I think this could easily be like a two-parter because <laughs> there's just so much, right? There's just so much that goes into it. And it's it's hard to, to put a lot of this stuff into words and it's hard to talk about, but it affects all of us. Mm-hmm. It's something that everyone has to go through, unfortunately, at some point in their lives. And it affects so many people. Um, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to point out something that you said that I think would be a good reminder to everybody, especially to families that maybe have lost someone recently. Or um, you said that in therapy, you and Alonzo learned that you had lost the same person, but you had also lost totally different people because of your relationship with her. 
And I think that's something that would have done my family a lot of good <laughs> to hear yeah. um, when we lost Boma because we did all lose a totally different person. Yeah. And it was hard to accept, um, not accept, but it was hard to understand each other's grief during that time because of all the different family dynamics. Yep. And it would have been something that would have been really helpful for us to hear back then. Yeah. So to reiterate it for anyone else who needs to hear that. <laughs> well, this has been a rough one, but in a good way. Yeah. Thank God you guys can't see what I look like right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want to take any pictures. Next episode, we'll, we'll bring a little lighter note. Yeah. Um, lighter note, but thank you guys for listening. We hope it wasn't too, too emotional, um, but we hope you got something out of it. Yeah. And I would just like to add too, if you got through this episode, thanks. Um, but also we would really love, we just love hearing your guys's feedback. Um, so whenever we have a new episode drop, we always share on social media. Um, and we'd love to just know how you're feeling after listening to this. Um, how are you feeling? Do you have any story that you want to share or any tips? Like just because, you may have missed when we asked earlier before the episode does not mean we don't want to hear from you. Um, if you have somebody on your mind who might benefit from this episode first, ask them if ask them for permission before you send it to them. Um, but send it their way. You know, I think one, we appreciate the support of you listening um, but the support of just sharing and giving us feedback and all of that is really, really appreciated. Absolutely. Um, that's one of my favorite things is when someone randomly messages me and says, oh, I listened to this episode and I just, I related so much. Um, I love <laughs> I love, I don't think I can express how much I love seeing that and hearing that. Um, so yeah, we absolutely, we appreciate the support. Um, if you haven't yet, feel free. I know Spotify just started uh, to a lot. They do, you can do reviews on there now. So not oh. written, but you can do like five stars. Mm-hmm. Um so we, you know, if you haven't done that and you have a second, go give us a, a review on either iTunes or Spotify, or if your listening app allows you to do reviews of any kind, it'll help us out, help um, other people find the show. Um, if you want to reach out to us by email, email is mmpodcast1 at gmail.com. The Instagram is mental m podcast mm-hmm. and my personal instagram is Den- at denise serino and mine is torres j misses with an extra a and j um yeah follow us like us <laughs> uh we just love you guys yeah we love you share the love <laughs> 
and we will see you next time for a lighter episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye.